This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Adam Scalina, your sometimes host. Corey, you're looking actually, uh, usually you're in a suit, uh, a tie. Uh, today you're in what looks like a, a high quality sweater, maybe a Harry Rosen sweater. It's a Harry Rosen sweater. Is it yeah, the but, final but, cut season? Yeah, but it was it was bought on sale at Harry Rosen. I was gonna it was say, on sale Harry Rosen. Was, so it always is. So. Um, we have an exciting show today. We've got Darcy Almer on. He is from Stream Property Property Partners. Correct. Um, Correct. I, I screwed that up three times today, but uh, okay. it, it's it's it's, it's the two P's. It's the alliteration. It's a it's a challenge for me. But he's the co-founder and partner of Stream Property Partners. Super exciting conversation today. Great conversation. Darcy goes in to not only tell us about the markets that they're working in, like they've got some amazing property downtown Kelowna, right, right. On, right on Bernard there, which he mentions is kind of like High Street in Kelowna. But also he talks a little bit about like how the limited partnership investment structure works with regards to it. And a lot of people probably aren't really familiar with that if you don't sort of know somebody in that business yeah. or to get that opportunity. And when we had Ravi Mann on a couple of shows ago, where he talks about you know, the REIT that they do. He touches a little bit on how those limited partnerships are structured. Darcy comes on today, tells us all about Stream Property Partners, the amazing markets like Kelowna and Mission that they're in. But he also goes into how does that investment opportunity work on the back end that a lot of people may not know about. I actually learned a lot this episode just around the kind of the LP structure, limited partner structure, private placement, accredited investors, how people can actually get involved with not a lot of money and not necessarily a wealth of knowledge in commercial real estate. Somebody who doesn't necessarily understand the market, but they want to be in commercial real estate. This is a great show for you. Yeah. And if you, you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting Darcy and the people over at Stream there. And, he, you know, they're very articulate, very knowledgeable, extremely knowledgeable in what they're doing. They've also sort of got into markets ahead of time. And by that, I mean, I mean, they talk about Kelowna and Mission, but they didn't just show up there yesterday. They've been right. in those markets for a while. They've been monitoring those markets for a while. So really insightful conversation, really, really good takeaways from it. I think a lot of people are really excited to find out about opportunities that exist in there through syndicates that they may not have any knowledge of. Right, 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 right. And before we get to that, Corey, I just want to touch base on the commercial market just in general. In residential, we're starting to see a little bit of inventory. Yeah. And uh, it's starting, the market's starting to feel a bit spotty. Yeah. Some stuff is still going crazy. Some people are getting skunked after the weekend with with no offers, but ex- we're expecting multiples. Yeah. So I think we're starting to see a bit of fatigue and people questioning kind of what's happening right now with interest rates. Are you seeing any sign of that? Uh, well, we haven't really, unfortunately, had too much inventory come loose just yet. Now, right. I mean, I think naturally, if it's going to happen, you I mean, it's going to start to happen sooner than later as we head into the spring market here, but we've always struggled, you know, pre-pandemic for good inventory to start with. So right now, the fact that inflation is obviously increasing, the threat of interest rates rising, and I don't think it's a threat anymore, it's almost like a promise, 
that there's just a lot of money on the sidelines. People are cramming for stuff and there's just nothing available. Right. So it's, it's, it's a real challenge there. If you're working with buying groups, it's hard to get things inside because if brokers are fortunate enough to get the listing, they have five buyers waiting for it. So they're just passing it to the next desk or they're making one phone call and it's like, don't show it to anyone else. Let's go look at it. Right. So right. We, we're, we're struggling on that aspect, but overall, extremely, extremely busy. That's fantastic. So last but not least, I want to just make one more distinction today that came out of the conversation with Darcy about finding properties. And one of the questions that we talk about is just how to find properties, who is in your network. One of the things that questions I get from people that are looking to invest in commercial real estate is around, you know, where can I find commercial properties, right? To invest in, in a variety of different asset classes. So you know, there's commercial MLS, but can you talk a little bit? Because it, really, it sounds like a network is more important than anything. That's what it is. And like the commercial MLS might have, you know, one to 5% of what's out there in, in the lower mainland. Obviously, that, that MLS program becomes more prevalent as you get into like the BC interior and the Vancouver Island markets. But down here, it's, it's all a network game. And by that, I mean, is you mean brokers have broker contacts, brokers have lawyer contacts and landlord and property manager contacts. So when you're working within those in the confines of that network, when stuff comes available, it's one or two phone calls and things are typically moving. And Darcy touches on uh, the Kelowna acquisitions and Marianne, who was recently on the show talking multifamily, she was the broker that had dug out that Kelowna building, had brought it to Stream, Stream got it, and then Stream was quite interested in the Aquilini property next door. So when they said, hey, we were interested in that, we, through our contacts, spoke to the broker that does the work for them. We've had a lot of history with those broker that brokerage. And long and behold, a couple months go by, now they're the owner of the neighboring property. So a lot of that doesn't exist or doesn't happen without having the broker network or having brokers within your network facilitate those properties because so much of that stuff sells off market. It's not advertised. It's, I mean, some guy knows some guy who knows some guy that will look at an offer. Right. And that's right. how it comes about. So for like a guy like me that know, knows no guy, well, you know me. Well, I know you. Okay. So, but here, here's... Not that I can do anything for you, but you know me. <laughs> um, what, what I was going to suggest, though, is that in a low inventory environment, yeah. by not having a, a network, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Well, in an inventory environment right now where we have like nothing to pick from, the biggest thing sellers can do, or buyers, sorry, can expand their networks. Right. Make more contacts with more brokers. This is what I'm looking for. Yeah, because you know, there's an illusion maybe out there that some of the bigger international type brokerages have access to more. But I mean, we've seen some of the biggest properties transact through residential realtors, and by right. that I mean they know somebody who knows the landowner, and somebody makes a phone call, someone talks to somebody, and before you know, it, they want to sell the property. So it's just a matter of just expanding those networks, making sure the brokers that are working on your behalf know exactly what the mandate is exactly what it is. And the more information you can provide, the easier it is to facilitate that property for you. Because a lot of times that property doesn't exist. We will go research to find the property that fits those metrics and we'll go approach the landowner right, and say, we have a group that's interested. Do you want to sell? And sometimes it's, yeah, I'll look at an offer, see what you can bring me. And then we go back to our Rolodex and we go you know, down the pecking order of who that fits. And nine times out of 10, an offer ends up on that seller's desk and there's a high percentage that that seller takes that offer and that deal never existed if that information wasn't provided to say a brokerage like William Wright Commercial, we know what your mandate is. It's interesting. The, the other thing that I find fascinating about this is 
you know, in residential real estate, it's all about exposure. Yeah. Like that's the name of the game, right? You're trying yeah. to get as much exposure around a property as you can, enough, as many people through the door as you possibly can in a lot of rights, right? Yeah. It's so dramatically different. What do you think the, the reason for that is? Well, I think there's a perception out there that if a property is in quotations listed, and it's not a, a property that's listed is not bad. I don't want, I don't want people to think like, oh, I saw this great property that's listed. It sucks. That's not the case at all. But because inventory is so scarce, especially when you're getting into like development sites, people kind of worry, is that site been picked over? What does somebody know that I don't know? Why didn't someone else buy it before me? So that's where it's having the brokers almost kind of like, hey, this is not available, but I know a guy that knows a guy. Are you interested? Right. And that's the deals that they look for. Now, the flip side to that is if you have a AAA asset, a lot of times too, it's like, we're not going to put it on in quotations, the MLS, but we're going to shop the property to the brokerage community. We're going to put it out there for tender. That way we can gain as much exposure for that property and we will call for offers on or before this day. Right. And a lot of times too, those properties are unpriced. There's okay. price guidance with supporting documents, but it's not like a house where the house is listed for $799. This property is out for tender. We're calling for offers on or before March 15th. And price guidance is these are the last four sales of this type of asset class, probably in this area. Yeah. You bring us your best offer. Where's that house listed for seven ninety nine? That's a uh, good yeah, sorry. It <laughs> was about, it's about two blocks outside of Regina turn right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so that that's how it works differently. That broker network is right. the single most important thing in the real estate business if uh, you want to be in commercial. Fascinating. Well, you know, before we get to our interview with Darcy, Corey, we do have a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Impact Commercial Group. Really enjoy working with Impact Commercial. And uh, we should say Al and his team can basically do anything when it comes to lending. Anything when it comes to, under the commercial umbrella. You're building a building and development. We got you covered. You're buying land. We'll make that happen for you. You're investing in a property or multifamily building. Check. Owner occupiers looking to acquire their own space. Double check. Anything commercial financing you need. Impact Commercial is your go-to. Impactcommercial.ca. And we should say over 50 years of combined experience. So trust these guys. They're the right fit. Best in the business, in my opinion. Okay, so we're here with Darcy Ulmer. He is the co-founder and partner at Stream Property Partners. Partners. Did I... Did I get that right? He's a Stream partner property within the partner. partner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Thanks, uh, Corey. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. Yeah, great, great to have you here, Darcy. And sorry for butchering the uh, the intro there, but uh, it's great to have you. Can Can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Yeah. I would say I've had an unconventional path to where I am today, but I uh, actually started off working seven years in forestry in the uh, interior of BC. I didn't go to university until I was 25 as a mature student, but I did do that. I went to Ryerson. I did their applied geography program and did some retail location analysis in, in that four-year program. And that really was an eye-opener for me. And I, I would say it where I learned about critical thinking and a lot of uh, data analysis and, um, you know, working with large data sets and CRM, that type of thing. After university, I went on and I worked for a market research company in Vancouver, uh, actually a national and ultimately international company. I spent 10 years working in marketing and corporate communications. And I really, um, again, I, th I think I, I uh, developed skills there that have served me well in my career. 
certainly with uh, with uh, investor relations and that type of thing. And it was really kind of serendipitous how I got into commercial real estate. About 12 years ago, a friend of mine was uh, one of the old-time syndicators in Vancouver, had an opportunity with his company, had a large portfolio of uh, multifamily assets, both in the U.S. and uh, in Canada. And he gave me the opportunity, and I really got a chance to cut my teeth on you know, how syndicators structure you know, these investment opportunities and limited partnerships and asset management and leasing and all that kind of stuff. And then the last five years after that, I worked with Churchill International Property Corporations in downtown Vancouver with um, Philip Langridge, who again is one of the, you know, the old um, original syndicators in Vancouver. And I got to, you know, be exposed to every aspect of the business there with Philip you know, acquisitions and underwriting properties and dispositions and again, asset management and leasing and just every, every, every part of it. So, and then uh, two years ago, I had the opportunity to do something on our own, hang out our own shingle as a, as a investment firm, development firm, management firm, if you will, and uh, partnered with my two partners who uh, one is Alan Haig, who you know well, and is a fantastic person, fantastic business person. And my other partner is Hans Adstrand, who comes from the the development construction side of things. And so the three of us have, I would say, um, different but complementary skill sets. And uh, I would say that we're off to a really good start with Stream Properties. We've done four syndications in 18 months and uh, got some great properties in Kelowna, got some great properties in Eastern Fraser Valley. And we're uh, about six months into building a 108-unit purpose-built rental building in Mission. It's going very well. And, uh, no, we're just really pleased, and I just feel uh, really lucky to do what I do and to get to come to work every day and work with, with the team that we have. Well, I think to say that Stream's off to a great start would probably be an understatement. We've been very fortunate at William Wright Commercial and in our Kelowna office there to do some work with you guys and some amazing projects you guys have going on there. One thing you guys you mentioned there was syndicators. And one of the things that that maybe we can we can touch on that I think would be a really interesting point for a lot of our listeners is a lot of people maybe don't understand how these limited partnerships, if you will, or syndications work in commercial real estate. And a lot of people may not understand how they can participate. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit on what a limited partner is, just some base structure of it and how all that sort of comes together from we want to buy this amazing building on Bernard in Kelowna to how that comes together as a limited partnership? Yeah. yeah you know, as I mentioned, there's actually in, in um, a place like Vancouver, BC, there were, there's a lot of people and groups doing, you know, what we're doing and, and um, doing it very, very well, very, very successfully, you know, and there's different terms and different, different terminology, but, you know, issuers, sponsors, syndicators, but we're essentially, it's all means the same thing. We're, we're organizing investment opportunities that people can choose to, you know, invest with us. I would say on an on an armchair basis, so they don't necessarily need to have any expertise. Just just like if you, you know, invested in a company like Coca Cola or IBM, you don't know how to run that business, but you've done your due diligence, you've done your research on the business, and you made the choice to, you know, buy stocks in that company. It would be the same type of thing where we are 
organizing an investment opportunity and then we're presenting and we're, you know, we usually have marketing supporting materials around that. And we'll say, you know, here's our, here's the property, here's the the business strategy, the business, business plan. Here's our, you know, financial projections for the investment and the return on the investment. And then you can choose whether or not you'd like to, to place a, an investment with stream property partners. And so stream would be the sponsor or the issuer, if you will, and, you know, again, uh, we would, from that point, we would set up a limited partnership and I certainly can go into more detail on that if you'd like. Yeah, no, that, that'd be great. Cause it sort of, it sort of breaks down a little bit of like how, how limited partners can sort of partake in these investments with stream and other companies. Yeah. So a limited partnership, they're very popular with real estate investments throughout North America and a limited partnership consists of the general partner and stream, for example, would be the general partner in, in the projects that we sponsor and the limited partners. And then those two groups together, and there could be, you know, any number of limited partners putting in any amount of, of, of money, whatever your, you know, capital requirement is for the project, that would be your total capital requirement. And then you would have, let's say it's $2 million. You might have 10 limited partners each putting in $200,000 and that would be your capital stack and that would be your 20 limited partners. And together, the general partner and the limited partners form a limited partnership. And then the limited partnership is based on a limited partnership agreement, which is you know usually a substantial legal document. It can run to 100 pages and it'll set out you know, the, um, the business objectives of the limited partnership and it'll set up the, the rights and responsibilities of both the general partner and the limited partner. And it'll just cover off every base that uh, you would want to look at as an investor from, you know, how the money is going to be used, what the timeline of the, in, the investment is, what, what's the investment horizon, how any, you know, income or revenue from the investment is going to be distributed to the limited partners, what the the exit strategy is, and how the partnership can ultimately be, you know, wound up. So Darcy, who is who is this available to to become a limited partner? So in BC, all of these, um, anytime you're trading securities and limited partnerships, you know, we're issuing limited partnership units, and they can be you know, of any size, but typically they're, let's, let's say they're a thousand dollars per unit. Anytime you're issuing securities in BC, you're doing that under the purview of the BC Securities Act. So you're, you know, you're being monitored by BC Securities Commissions. And these would be considered, you know, private equity investments or private placement investments. And so when you're issuing these securities, you as an issuer need to rely on an exemption. There's a number of exemptions and I won't get too technical. And in addition, your investors need to rely on an exemption. And the, the most popular one and the one that we use exclusively is accredited investors. So we're dealing, um, well, I would say all of our investors are accredited investors. There's a number of criteria that, that, that you have to meet to be qualified as, a, as an accredited investor. And that would be, you know, your house, annual household income and then your net worth. So uh, suffice to say, there is, a, there is a financial barrier to participate in these investments. And, you know, our minimum investment would typically be $150,000. And just thinking about it from from the perspective of the limited partner, what are the risks going into an investment with this structure? 
Yeah, well, well, just like the name suggests, it's the limited partner and there's limited liability for the limited partners. And that's simply put, their risk is limited to the amount of the capital that they would invest in the limited partnership. So if you invested $100,000, you know, the, the project, you know, could potentially, um, if, if it went sideways uh, or if the project ran into trouble, your liability would be limited to the amount of capital that you invested. The general partner, and this is set out in the limited partnership agreement, is generally, you know, has the fiduciary duty um, and is liable for all of the legal, you know, the 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 and it, the project from start to finish. It's it's it's, it's liable in um, in that regard. Right. So stream stream is is carrying the most amount of risk. It sounds like in the in these projects then. Well, we certainly, we have the most responsibility, if you will. So we're responsible for organizing the project, for arranging the financing, for managing the property, for ultimately recommending a disposition to the limited partners. Typically, in the limited partnerships, the general partner is seen as, you know, we're, we're the, the, the real estate experts and the limited partners are looking for an opportunity to get exposure to commercial real estate. They may have little or no knowledge about commercial rate. Some, some of our investors are very sophisticated and others aren't as much and don't know as much about uh, commercial real estate, but it's, it's really a relationship between the general partner and the investors. Um, it, you know, is the trust there? Is there a track record? And, you know, just like anything, you're, it's a relationship and you're, you're going forward on a best efforts basis. One thing we hear a lot, Dars, when we talk about limited partnerships is sort of like a waterfall distribution of proceeds. Without going into detail, maybe how Stream does it, can you maybe elaborate a little bit what a waterfall distribution is, maybe a profits or proceeds type of thing in a limited partnership? Yeah, and that's an important part of the whole partnership. And and those, and again, there's there's different terminology. They all they all may mean the same thing, but waterfall or carried interest. I think technically it would be the incentive management interest. So that's essentially saying the limited partners or the general partners saying to the uh, and the way that you know you're structuring that that's all set out in the limited partnership agreement. You're saying to the limited partners, look. Um, if the project is successful and it turns a profit, a certain percentage of that profit will be allocated to the general partner to incentivize us to make the project as, a success, as successful as, as possible. So you're, you know, uh, they'll talk about aligning interests, aligning the interests of the general partner with the limited partners, and those will t- those will vary from from partnership to partnership. They'll usually be adjusted based on a particular project, but. Just for the just for the listeners, kind of general, you know, I would say generally the profit split would be. Now, sometimes they'll have hurdles, so they'll say, okay, after the investors have received seven percent preferred return, annualized, non-compounded, any profit after that will be split seventy-five percent to the limited partners and twenty-five percent to the general partner. That might be a typical structure. That makes sense. So Darcy, in thinking about the two markets that you are currently active in, so thinking Kelowna and Mission, can you talk a little bit about choosing a market and how you decided on on both these areas? Yeah, you know, for Stream, um, we're focused on Western Canada and I would say growth markets in Western Canada. And we're focused on markets where we think whether we're um, leasing out um, 
you know, uh, rental apartments or whether we're releasing out retail space or office space where we think there's going to be rent growth. And so we're looking at growth markets where there's the demographics, I would say. So in migration in places like Kelowna, where you have interprovincial migration, and then just in, in the lower mainland where we're all benefiting from high levels of immigration. So we've got people coming into the area year over year, generating households. And then we're also looking at employment growth, you know, jobs, what's attracting people into the area. And when people come into the area, they need a place to sleep. And then that's driving uh, demand for amenities, whether it's retail amenities or office space, et cetera, like that. So we're looking for, you know, dynamic markets that are growing in terms of population and have a, a, a certain critical mass. We certainly feel that the Eastern Fraser Valley meets all that criteria as well as Kelowna. Now, is there particular asset classes within kind of the investment realm that work better for a limited partnership than others? Or is it more just a a property by property basis from a number standpoint. No, I don't. Th- I think the limited partnership is used across all asset classes. You know, we're in the uh, multifamily with our projects in Mission, and then with the uh, retail office with our projects in downtown Kelowna. But yeah, no, it, it wouldn't really uh, matter what the asset class was. The limited partnership, and again, each limited partnership is going to be, you know, underpinned by that limited partnership agreement, which is going to set out. You know what 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 the business strategy of of the project is. You know not just not just how profits are going to be allocated, which but that's an important part. But also you know what are the rights and responsibilities of the limited partners in terms of you know voting. Like what what do they get to you know where do they have get to have a say in terms of what happens with the property. And typically most of the responsibility and will be at the sole discretion of the general partner. But, you know, for our projects, we'll, we'll we carve out when it comes to a disposition or when we, when we want to sell the property, we can't sell the property without approval from the limited partners. Darcy, I'm, I'm just thinking about how Stream monitors the market and also how you find opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about your process? Yeah, well, I think it starts with, you know, the, the, the groups that we partner with. William Wright is one of our strategic partners. And so a network of brokers who can uh, bring deals across your desk and and Alan and myself and Hans, we all have networks. And I would say that's the number one pipeline. And so we're, you know, opportunities are coming across our desk. We're looking at them. We're first, we're we're saying, okay, well, are they in one of the markets that we want to be in? If they are, okay, well, what's the asset class? What's the location? Is it one of the asset classes that we're interested in? What's the location? What are the locational attributes? And then if we get, if it meets all of that and we like the property, you know, we'll start doing, uh, we'll ask for a rent roll. Maybe we'll sign a non-disclosure agreement with the brokers, ask for a rent roll, start um, developing a pro forma. And for Stream, we're, uh, as a new group, and I would say our thing is we want to look at properties where we can, you know, roll up our sleeves, put some elbow grease into it and and drive out some, um, some value to to the property in some way, shape, or form that has potential to, you know, I would say, increase the value of the property. Whether that's a repositioning, as, as which is what we've done with our properties in downtown Kelowna, or if it's brand new development like we're doing in Mission. Now, is there other markets primarily right now you're operating within Mission and Kelowna? 
Is there other markets right now that you guys have your eye on that tick a lot of the boxes that you look for as an investment that you guys haven't got into yet, but you are hoping to? Um, you know, uh, I think the entire Okanagan Valley is interesting from my perspective, because I think you are getting just incredible growth in Kelowna. So just like we've seen in the lower mainland where people are getting priced out of Vancouver or going to Burnaby and then people are getting priced out of Burnaby or going out and there's that domino effect right out the, yep. right out the valley, right out to Mission. And you know that well. I think there's a, a similar thing happening in the Okanagan Valley with Kelowna and then the knock-on effect with Lake Country and even Vernon and I think going south towards Penticton. So I like, I like the Okanagan Valley just in general from Penticton to Vernon. And if you just look at the demographics in the country and you see the baby boomers who are all coming up on retirement and they're sitting on a, a house that's worth two and a half million dollars that they paid, you know, 300000 for in Mississauga. And now they're retiring and they're going, do I want to live in Mississauga or do I want to head out to the Okanagan Valley? I think there's, we're going to see a lot of that. I think it was just last week it came out that Kelowna was the fastest growing CMA yeah. in Canada. Yeah, we saw that there. It was pretty impressive. And you can kind of understand the metrics when you go up there and you, you sit in Kelowna and just everything that it has going on and the, the feeling that it gets there. It's such a unique environment that you can see the attractions. It's changing fast, eh? Like it's uh, it feels so different than it did even three or four years ago. Yeah, no, no. I think even too with the expansion of, of the UBCO up there and you know the hospitals and all of that stuff, you got so much infrastructure there now to support a community that you know, creates stability from an investment standpoint. And Stream's obviously done a phenomenal job there with their acquisitions on the 400 block there and their projects. Darce, can we talk maybe just a little bit about the projects that you guys do have on the Bernard block there going on right now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the first project that Stream syndicated and, um, and acquired was the Scotia building at 478 Bernard. So at the corner of Bernard and Ellis, which I would say... Uh, I know arguably the, you know, the, the, well, I would say it's the, it's a high street of Kelowna, Bernard Avenue, and then yep. Ellis. It's, it's really the, uh, the center of downtown. Yep. It was a, certainly an opportunistic acquisition. It came across our desk. And to tell the truth, we, when we looked at it, we were, we wondered what was wrong with it, why we'd even got an opportunity. I think it was, it was COVID had just dropped. And uh, I don't think it had been marketed that well, you know, I just looked at it, Al looked at it, and we just said, this location is phenomenal. Uh, it's got a great tenant, great covenant with Scotiabank. There's some, um, there's some government tenants in there. The property's been relatively well-maintained. It's an older building. So ultimately, we did decide to go forward with that. We did, we did acquire it. You know, we've, we've, um, uh, we've completely refurbished the lobby, uh, the second and third floor common area. So the, the building's been completely refurbished. We've painted the outside, done a little bit of uh, leasing, and uh, we just we just love the project. Our investors are really happy. So that was kind of our beachhead into the Kelowna market. And then on that, we um, the property next door was actually owned by the Aquilini Group. They had a 24-story condo building actually approved back in 2012. And then the market changed a little bit. They backed off of it and ultimately didn't move forward with that project. It had sat there for about eight years. And of course, we just, it was just a natural um, next opportunity for us. So we, so we made some uh, inquiries and ultimately we were successful in acquiring that building as well. Now it was 
pretty much vacant when we bought it. It had a, a few month-to-month tenants in it. We're since about 75% complete on a complete refurbishment of the building. So we've got four beautiful retail units on the ground floor, like 18-foot uh, high ceilings, just gorgeous spaces. Two of those are, well, one's leased and one's pending. And then we've got two... Uh, two nice units left. And then there's about 5,000 square feet of office space on the second floor. That's been completely gutted and uh, refurbished. So it's, it's, it's essentially new and we're working on leasing that up. And um, no, we're just super, super excited to be uh, in Kelowna with those assets to start. We want to do more up there. What's the end goal with, with both these properties? Well, the, I mean, the immediate goal is to, you know, finish the refurbishments get them leased up, get them stabilized. And once they're positive cash flow assets, you know, then, then, you know, if there's an opportunity for disposition, we'd certainly be interested in, in looking at that. But I mean, to have those assets at the, at the, in, you know, that location in downtown Kelowna, we'd be happy to hold them you know, once they're cash flowing. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, um, what, what happens. It's a, uh, this is a great market. So I, you know, and, and people have different opinions and that's the great thing about uh, being in that position and, and we'll see what happens. Darcy, another, another market that we've touched on is mission. And if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's a multifamily project that you guys are doing that market rental. Is that right? Yeah, it's purpose-built rental. Purpose-built rental. Uh, it's, it's, it's purpose-built rental and market rent. You're, you're correct. Uh, it, it does have an affordability component. So that was part of the the uh, development permit. There's 10% of the units are deemed affordable by the city of Mission. And, you know, those are things we're happy to do and like doing. And number one, we feel like purpose-built rental is an amenity unto itself for, for a community like Mission, but it also helps you with financing. And this particular project will be, financed with the benefit of CMHC insurance. And so that's, you know, having an affordability component helps you with, with financing. Right, right. And so can you talk maybe about uh, acquiring your, your site and mission and, and some of the, some of the challenges and, and wins that kind of went into that? Yeah. Um, when we first started looking for a development site, we were focused on the Eastern Fraser Valley. We were initially focused on Abbotsford. We had a couple properties tied up and then we ultimately dropped them. And this property came along. It was, I would say, about 60% entitled. So the, the form and character of, of the building had already been established. It had had first and second reading with the Mission City Council. So we knew that it was a very viable project. And ultimately, we liked the location. There was some attributes. There was it was it's right on Highway Seven on the Lohia Highway. There, it's within walking distance to pretty substantial amenities in terms of shopping amenities. The other key thing that we really liked it was about 900 meters from the West Coast Express station. So Mission is easternmost terminus of the West Coast Express. So you can hop on the West Coast Express in Mission and be downtown in uh, the waterfront station in about an hour and 10 minutes. And um, so that was a big plus for the project. And um, for all those reasons, we, we, we decided to go forward, acquire the property. And then, you know, we've ultimately taken it through the rest of the entitlement. We've got a development permit. 
We broke ground on the property in June of last year. So we're about eight uh, months into construction and probably about another 12 months to go to lockup. Now, Darce, one thing you, you talked about a couple times there, and we hear it quite often on the show. I don't think we've ever sort of like explained it. We talk about a property being entitled. Can you explain a little right. bit just for our listeners what that refers to? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, when you're looking at a property and it's, um, well, whether it has some kind of development or building um, already on it or whether it's vacant land, um, from a developer's perspective, you're going to propose to the, the you know, the municipality you know, what you want to do with that piece of land or that assembly. And it starts off with working with an architect and coming up with, uh, you know, uh, a concept for what you would build build there. And then you're, you know, submitting a development application to the city and you're usually getting feedback from the planning department about the form and character of the building. They'll have ideas about, you know, an affordability component of the building, for example, all those criteria and, and basically you're you're going back and forth by you know when you agree on what the development is going to be with the planning department then you're basically taking it forward to the council for approval and there's also a you know a, a community review a component of that which should be well you know well aware of so there's readings first set re, first reading second reading third reading then ultimately if it gets that far the, the project will be adopted and approved and you get a development permit and then from there you're really getting down to the nuts and bolts of construction and ultimately getting a building permit but that's what entitlement means and you know that process can take well, um, in a in a municipality like Mission, it might take uh, twelve to eighteen months, and then other municipalities it might take much longer. Darcy, in just thinking about like clearly, you your team is monitoring the market, looking for opportunities at all times. To you, what what does a deal look like? Well, again, I mean, I, I, we go back to you know we have certain filters that that all of our you know because again we we have. These, these networks of brokers, we have opportunities come across our desk all the time. But, you know, the markets that we're in right now, like Eastern Fraser Valley, Mission, Abbotsford, you know, we're going like, what, what are, what are the, what's the upside for those markets in terms of, you know, rent growth, you know, household generation, demand, whether it's, you know, demand for retail or demand for, you know, rental units. I think that in in BC, just in general, the fundamentals, COVID and all of these international, you know, economic backdrops, notwithstanding, the fundamentals are extremely strong in the lower mainland of BC, and I would say um, Kelowna as well. Again, you have population growth, and you have employment growth. I think BC is leading the country in employment growth at the moment. And then you just have, you know, I, I would say lifestyle, certainly in uh, BC, you've got the the weather. And then in Kelowna, you certainly have the lifestyle with the four-season lifestyle and the, the beautiful um, Okanagan Lake and the ski hills and the golfing and everything. So I think all of those things taken together, we just go, what are on balance, are people going to be attracted to those areas? No, it makes sense. And and uh, maybe as a final question, Darcy, you know, we talked a little bit about the fundamentals and obviously right now, you know, interest rates are, are potentially on the on the increase here. Uh, we're in an inflationary period. 
We've got uh, Russia invading Ukraine. We've got a lot going on in the world right now. Are you bullish on the balance of 2022? No, I really, I really am. And, you know, one of the things with interest rates, one of the things with our, you know, rental developments, we want to take advantage of the CMHC programs. They've introduced the new CMHC uh, select program, which we think is going to be very attractive. That um, There's, I think they're talking about 50 year amortization periods, you know, dropping the guarantee requirements earlier. So all of these things just make it a little bit easier to make the numbers work. And then with the CMHC, you're going to get, if, if you have a CMHC insurance certificate, you're going to get the, the best pricing in the market when you go, you know, you know, when you go to get uh, your loan. So, I mean, and that's the best you can do in these circumstances. Everything ultimately has to pencil out on the pro forma before you're going to proceed. And that's, you know, again, that's something you might want to talk about a little bit is what are the returns that we look at to make sense. But, um, and then in terms of inflation, you know, real estate, I think, is a classic hedge against inflation. For example, rental buildings, you know, it's uh, as the cost of living goes up, you know, the cost of your rental accommodations is going to go up. So if you are an owner in um, in a rental apartment building and there's inflation, the cost of living is going up, you're going to see that reflected in your rental rates. You're going to see that reflected in your income and you're going to, you know, income, uh, as you know, your NOI and uh, the prevailing cap rates determine your valuation for the building. So that, that your, your building is increasing in value against this backdrop of inflation. So it's um, making up for that. So right now, Darcy, speaking about that and talking about the CHMC program and stuff like that, would rentals be something more attractive right now for stream with inflation and the programs that are out there, maybe say than a traditional retail strip center? I really like purpose-built. I mean, if you just, again, look at supply and demand in the lower mainland and then throughout BC, but um, you look at the number of households that are being generated with, you know, with demographics, population growth, you look at the number of units that are coming online, there's just this real mismatch. I think the last time I did analysis, I think we need about 150,000 units to keep up to over the next 10 years. So I think that's 80,000 in backlog that we we need. And then, you know, another uh, 15, 20,000 units a year. And I think, um, I think over the last, you know, 10 years, or, or, yeah, 10 years, I think we've, we've um, you know, we haven't come anywhere close to bringing that amount of units online that we need to. So there's a supply demand imbalance and, until that that gets sorted out, if it ever does, I think that um, the demand is going to be there for units, and I think the rent growth year over year is going to be there. So that makes it yeah. very attractive for us. Yeah, Darce, we got uh, before we let you go, we're going to take five more minutes of your time here. We got a six pack of lighthearted questions, so we get to know you a little bit better out of the office. We're not going to give you the choice to say yes or no. So the, okay. <laughs> the six pack is powered by our good friends at Redpoint Law for all your commercial legal needs. Visit them at redpointlaw.ca. So Darce, we're going to throw you a, a softball here to get you started. Favorite movie? Okay. Uh, so, well, I'm something old, probably a Western. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider. Oh, I thought you were going Unforgiven, but uh, hey, Pale well, Rider. Unforgiven would be right up there. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, favorite book that you'd recommend our listeners pick up? 
Yeah, you know, the, I think it came out a couple years ago, but I've read it a couple times. Uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life is just an awesome book. He's a Canadian author and a uh, pretty prominent um, public intellectual right now. And uh, I would give that to any young person starting out in the business or starting out on life. I just think there's some great uh, insights into the human condition and, and how to live a good life there. Favorite band or musician? Yeah, well, I'm gonna date myself. I'm a I'm a classic rock guy. I do like all the new the new country music. I'm on the road a fair bit. A lot I listen to a lot of serious XM. I'm gonna go um, Black Crow's second album, Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Oh, interesting. We've never had the Black Crow's. No, we haven't had that one yet. I thought you were going like Zeppelin. Or I thought but, you were going uh, George Strait for a second when you talked about country and stuff like that. I thought you were going to bring up the classic George Strait. <laughs> I would be like Eric Church or uh, oh, there we go. Jason Aldean or something oh, like Jason that. Jason Aldean, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I was listening to him yeah. this morning on the Peloton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little insight into Corey's morning. Yeah, if you wonder what I'm doing at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm watching Jessica King on the Peloton listening to Jason Aldean. <laughs> <laughs> um, your favorite bar or restaurant in the city? favorite bar or restaurant like i have four kids i don't uh and i don't drink so <laughs> favorite doordash <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> favorite drive through uh you know uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna give a shout out to uh i've relocated the family from the coast up to the north okanagan and i took my wife out for our anniversary dinner a couple weekends ago in vernon to the phoenix steakhouse and it was very, very good. And I just saw that it was listed as one of the uh, 100 most romantic restaurants in Canada, if you will. Wow, want. interesting. So, Vernon yeah, it's, it's, in it's, Vernon. It's, that's right, yeah. Wow. That's a great one. Phoenix Steakhouse. Phoenix yeah. Steakhouse. Okay, if I'm up there, that's where I'm going. Favorite TV show? You know, I enjoyed Ozark recently. Oh, good uh, one. I thought that was really well done. Good, yeah. good. Last question here, Dars. A piece of advice you'd give our listeners there who are maybe looking to enter the commercial real estate world, and maybe let's say they've they want to invest in a limited partnership there. What's a piece of advice you can give them? Yeah, I would say you know do your your own due diligence or homework, if you will. Um, look at uh, all the materials that the issuer has available. So they'll they'll, they'll typically have financial projections. They'll have you know brochures um, setting out you know, what, what the uh, business strategy is um, for the building. And I would say meet with the, with the issuers, get to know them, uh, see where they work, see, uh, you know, um, what they do, look, look into their, you know, their, their experience, their history. So do your own homework. I would say there's, there's some great opportunities with um, real estate and don't wait for the perfect thing. If something you know, ticks all the boxes, I would say, um, you know, all things being considered, uh, consider the investment because I think real estate, and I don't know who did this quote, but it was real estate is a get rich, slow investment. I think there's a lot of truth in that. So get your money placed. And with real estate, you're typically looking at a five to seven year investment minimum. It might be longer, it might be shorter, but you know, I would be prepared for something in that range and um, yeah, place your money. And if, if, if you think the project has some compelling attributes, then go for it. Okay. So, well, yeah. maybe we'll leave it there, Darcy, but uh, how can people find out more about what you're up to? And of course, uh, Stream Property Partners. Yeah. Uh, please visit our website at Stream 
propertypartners.com and uh, we've got um, quite a bit of information there and then we've got our contact information there. I'd love to, uh, happy to talk to uh, anybody anytime about, uh, about what we're doing. That sounds great, Darius. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today and, and helping educate our listeners a little bit more on what Stream Property Partners is doing. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and I'm, I'm a fan. Great. Thanks so much, Darius, for your time. Take care. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Darcy Almer, partner and co-founder of Stream Property Partners. Love that chat with Darcy. A lot of great takeaways just uh, overall about you know how they're structuring their investments. Yeah. Also, interesting insights into Mission and Kelowna. I'm still thinking about creating opportunity and, yeah. and putting deals together. And we actually, we were chatting on uh, in the elevator ride on the way up today before we had our conversation with Darcy. It's a long ride to the 55th uh, it, floor. It, it is a long ride. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually going down to the basement <laughs> suite. Yeah. So here's here's a, here's an interesting story, right? Because this is just about finding opportunities and yeah. the way it's done in commercial. But tell me the story. Yeah. So, you, so a lot of times what happens is we have a client, let's say, and they have a mandate of something they're looking for, whether it be a building size or a certain location or proximity to something they already own. And we as a brokerage will go through and we'll identify opportunities in that area. And a lot of times we'll send out a letter if we can't get the owner on the phone directly, informing them that we might have a potential buyer for the property. And I'm sure we're not the only one that sends letters sure. or phone calls to the right guys. And so a lot of times those letters may fall on deaf ears. But we also have success stories where we've sent letters to people literally for years. Yeah. And then something has changed in that seller's life that they've decided to sell the property. And these guys save the letters and we either get a call directly from that person who's received our letters or that person contacts their commercial broker, gives the letters, that commercial broker will call us and say, I have a property that you want. Right. And we're always like, okay, where and who are you? Yeah. And they tell us the story <laughs> and these deals can get facilitated really, really quickly. But if we didn't send those letters or make those efforts to contact that seller and that seller decided to sell, that broker may or may have not called us. He might have just put it out for tender or he might have called his own clients. But because sure. obviously that we, we had a client looking for this particular property, they call us. We say, it ticks the boxes. What are you looking for in price-wise? We go back, do our due diligence, put forward an offer for this client based on that. It met the criteria of the seller. It met the criteria of the buyer. Fast forward two or three months, the property closes very happy client. Yeah, That's a story that happens quite often in real estate, in commercial real estate, sorry, if there's identification of properties that meets a client's mandate that that aren't on the market. And you find a lot of times too, especially when you look at out-of-town properties, let's say Nanaimo or Victoria, clients might have a building in that area. Well, it makes a lot more sense from a management side and sometimes a cost-splitting side to cluster those buildings. So they might acquire a building, say in Nanaimo for argument's sake, and they're like, hey, we're already in that marketplace. We understand that marketplace. We're bullish on it. We want to buy another building similar to what we just bought in that particular market that may or may not be for sale. So then we go canvas. Why cluster? Um, well, it kind of happens like from a management standpoint. If you had one building in Prince George, for example, from an ownership standpoint and a management standpoint, that might be a very expensive building to deal with because you're flying up there for one particular thing. You hire a local management company, hopefully, but from an ownership structure, it may not be the easiest thing to manage if there's problems. Versus 
if I've got two or three buildings in that same marketplace, not only can I move and shift my tenants around as they want to grow and expand, but when I'm dealing with my local management company, I might get a better management rate right. if I'm giving them a hundred doors versus 10 doors. Sure. And then also from an ownership thing, when you have to go over there for problems and stuff like that to deal with, it's easier. And then you also your cost saving comes when you're dealing with your insurance companies, if you're putting things under an umbrella policy and it just makes a lot more Renovations, sense. Renovations, yeah. anything going on. Where we're guys, I don't want to say missed the boat, but they kind of, they maybe developed this strategy and then realized after it's maybe a more expensive strategy. They've got one property in Kamloops, one property in Nanaimo, one property in Prince George and one property in Calgary. Right. And they live in Vancouver. Sure. Right. It's not the easiest, you know, every time you got to go somewhere, it's, you know, two or $3,000 to get there and back. So that's why you'll see a lot of guys try to cluster buildings in certain areas. They understand the market. They can shift their tenants around, create confidence in the market. And obviously if they're bullish on that area, they feel they're getting at the right time. Those are deals that may not exist in that same marketplace three or four years later. Well, speaking of sending letters or reaching out to people, we've been super excited about the island and specifically yeah. about Langford. Yes. And uh, you did some canvassing, your team did some canvassing, and we actually landed the mayor of Langford coming on this podcast, talking about the direction of the city. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So if you look at, uh, if you if you read BC Business Magazine, every year they kind of go out and they kind of name, there's criteria that creates what is the best cities for business in the province. And Langford for the second year in a row has been named the best city for business. So my assistant, Vanessa, did all the work. I'm not going to take any credit for it. I said, we need to find someone from Langford to come on and talk about you know all the great stuff going in for Langford, hoping that we might get somebody in the development department or something to that. But Vanessa goes and strongholds and shows up with the man himself, the mayor. So nice. we've got the mayor of Langford coming on, which we're very, very fortunate to have coming up in the future episode there. Lots of exciting stuff for our listeners, breaking down various markets, asset classes, and all the good stuff. I love it. So Corey, uh, how can people, if they want to find out more about William Wright or what you're up to, how can people get in touch? They can reach us at our Vancouver office anytime, 604-428-5255. Let us know what your needs are and we'll put you in touch with the best broker to meet your needs anywhere in the province. Uh, they can visit us at williamwright.ca anytime to sign up for the latest and greatest news, or they can send me an email, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always happy to talk real estate. Awesome. And you can visit VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for the back catalog of the residential and the commercial show. It's all there. And uh, yeah, have a great week. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today. 